Spring football is over for Cal football. What do we know? We're talking offense, defense, and a position-by-position breakdown. Coming up right now. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bear Insider, Ultimate Insider. I'm Mike Pulaski, and today it is our post-spring ball edition. I have two guys that have been around Cal football. You know them both, uh, Greg Richardson, Jim McGill, both here with me to talk about Cal football and kind of where we stand at this point in the spring. There's been a lot of changes over the offseason. The transfer portal is crazy. NIL is crazy. A bunch of things going on, but I think some real bright spots for the Cal football team. So, Greg, Jim, both of you guys, uh, welcome to the podcast, and let's start talking Cal football. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, glad to be here. Greg, we'll start with you. You're, you know, you're the, you're the publisher here. You're the head guy in charge. Tell me about your impressions of spring ball uh, and what you got, what you take away from the Cal football team after they come out of spring. Yeah, you know, it's, it's aptly called spring. And in spring, I hope spring's eternal, right? Um, it, it's a time of year for naturally a lot of optimism. I think year after year, we come out of spring practice looking at the glass half full. Um, so I think, you know, what I tried to do this year was take a, a little bit of a step back and just say, okay, what's different? How, how have things evolved or changed from the last few springs? And I think the biggest thing that jumped out to me was the energy. Um, it, it just felt like these were a group of guys who were playing harder, louder. The practices were going faster. There was something palatable in the air this year. Maybe some of it's the youth movement because we have so many young players now ascending to the starting lineup or fighting competitively for, for a role in the two deeps but you could really feel the energy this spring. And, well, and so there's a big part of that. Your point on spring is absolutely true, right? Spring, the greatest day of your football season is the first day of spring ball. And then the second greatest is the last day of spring ball, right? Cause you're like, okay, I'm through it now. We got all that energy out and you're kind of going, but there's a lot of change, like a ton of turnover at Cal. And it starts at the top of the quarterback. Chase Garbers is gone. Right. And so, like when you have that much turnover, there's a lot of guys, young guys looking for jobs and it brings that energy to the program around the football. And it's always super fun in spring when you get that and when you get good weather for spring ball um, to kind of bring that in. Jim, you were there for almost every practice. Tell us what you saw. I really like what I saw too. And I, I definitely saw the energy level stepped up a notch. I, I think that Wilcox has, has run practices through spring and fall with a good pace and good enthusiasm since he's been to Cal. I've been impressed with that, but you know, they, they changed things around a little bit this time. They, they cut the periods in half, made them a little bit longer. It seemed like they were scrimmaging seven on seven, 11, on 11, a little bit more. It just seemed like there was almost no dead time all the way through uh, just a well-oiled machine. And I think the things that made the biggest impression on me were the differences in the offense in the passing game with both the quarterbacks and the receivers. Um, under Chase, he's done some good things over the years, but there's been a lot of uneven play. When he wasn't getting it done, the team wasn't getting it done. The receivers, you know, that there was a veteran crew these last few years, and there were good things that they could do, but there were limitations with what they could do too. It seems like the sky is the limit right now with this receiving cord. I'm just amazingly impressed with those guys. And we'll get into some of the individual players on that unit, but man, the athleticism is just through the roof in that unit and the quarterbacks are getting them the ball. Uh, it was, it's been a really good battle through spring with, with Plummer and, and Milner. And we'll talk about them too, but they are delivering 
the ball to these talented receivers on every level. That to me is the biggest difference from any of the Cal teams that I've seen since Wilcox has been here. Well, that's a huge difference. And the one point I didn't bring up that we, we didn't talk about, obviously, Justin Wilcox with the whole contract issue with Oregon and everything in the offseason, and he comes back, right? That kind of commitment to a program is going to pick up a ton of energy, too. Most of the time, college football, if your coach gets an offer, he's gone because the money's bigger. But Justin came back because he's got unfinished business at Cal. I think that makes a huge difference in the player's mentality coming into it. Like, they're building for something, not just this mercenary type effect that you get around the country. Trust yeah. is a big issue for sure. And they trust him. They trust the staff. And that went a long way towards building that trust even more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a little less sexy than talking about the players and what we see on the field. But, but Mike, to your point, Justin's decision to turn down Oregon, not just once, but twice and come back, I think underscores that there is a tremendous amount of momentum around the program. Despite last year's disappointing results on the field, the donor base and the fan base and the staff are invigorated, right? We've, the, we announced the championship caliber fund in late December. And at that point we had pledges of a little less than $2 million. Now that is over $6 million in a very short period of time. You saw it at the spring game. Cause you were there, Mike, that the fan, the, the stands had 3000 people. It's probably double what we saw last year. Well, and, the, and the side of the field was covered with people, too. Like you had dudes up and down the sideline. You had a bunch of alums that were back. I saw Hall of Famers, you know, all the way from you know, Deshaun Jackson, his era, guys after him, all the way through guys that played with me and before me at Cal. So there, there was a bunch of people back for spring ball, which you don't always get. Yeah. So, hey, Jim, I wanted to comment a little bit about your observation on the offense. It's funny because I think last spring when Jim and I were having conversations about what we saw in the in, in the spring and writing up reports for the Bear Insider community, we were wanting to see the offense take a step forward, especially in the passing game. And we were looking for it and we were cautiously optimistic, but we had to squint pretty hard. This year was exactly <laughs> the opposite. It, it was hit you over the head. Wow. This is a brand new offense. Not only. I think two observations that I have. One, we were seeing the explosive plays that we just haven't seen in the Wilcox era. The, the big 20-yard-plus chunk plays through the air. And we were seeing them consistently at practice after practice after practice. The second thing, and, and this harkens back to a lot of what you talked about last year, Mike, in the fall, the chain-moving easy plays from the quarterback position, the ball getting out on time accurately, the reads being made pre-snap, going through progressions, just the simple plays were, were having a success rate that felt, you know, double what we'd seen in the fall. Those two things jumped out to me. It's a very different offense than what we saw uh, last fall. Staying on schedule and managing the game, right? Such a big deal at that quarterback position. I know a huge part, remember last year, spring ball was in like February. So they got it out of the way early so they could get in a bunch of cycles of the offseason training, get guys more, you know, in better condition, more fit, uh, and better and bigger this year, because Jack Plummer was a transfer in trying to get him to learn the offense, understand things. They put spring ball. They pushed it back a little bit to get their quarterbacks ready. I think both he and Kai Milner get them both ready to take the reps as the guy to give them the best chance to kind of exert their position as the number one guy. And that's a huge difference maker uh, in terms of bringing that in. Also as a coordinator, having a new quarterback means that you are going to change your calling style to fit the quarterback that you have. What does he like? I know Chase loved pure progression in, in terms of going through as a quarterback. One, two, three, go straight through it, make it easy as possible. I don't know if it's different with Jack. I haven't talked to Billy in depth about it, but 
if you can change your thinking in terms of play calling as a coordinator, it opens up the offense as well. And so you try to tailor it to what you have in the pocket, but it seems to me that they are able to call a little more of the offense and not just kind of constrict themselves to the pure progression stuff, Jim. Yeah. They're making quick decisions out there and it seems like their ability to, um, improvise and to, to do a lot of different things than they did last year is, is pretty apparent. We're looking at a lot of routes that we haven't seen much before. And I don't know if it's because they weren't called or because Chase was reluctant to throw certain things or if the staff stayed away from things that weren't his strength, but all the things that were missing before the, the slants, the, the hitches, the goes utilizing the middle of the field is, is massive. And these guys seem to be making pretty quick and decisive reads. So that could play into it as well. The other thing that is a, a major difference is the, the passing game with the running backs. It seemed like um, we were seeing progressions run through really quickly and then balls dumped off the guys that were immediately stopped for no gain in the flat. Now, when they're going to the running backs, they're getting hit decisively in stride and they're picking up five, six, seven yards or more if they have a little bit of room. That's a big difference. I mean, everything's in rhythm. I, I don't know the dynamics behind what went on before versus now, but everything's in rhythm right now. Well, we talked about that a little bit last year as a quarterback. Everything has to be on time. Plays are designed to get through your receivers in the order that they're meant to get through. And you have to be on time even when you get your ball down to your back that you've now, gone through your progression, boom, check it down to your back so he has room to roam. And it's a big difference maker if you're getting through your progressions on time. So, big one. We've talked a bunch about offense. Let's talk about that defensive side of the ball. For me, the biggest thing on the defensive side of the ball is the fact that Brett Johnson is back right now. I mean, he is an absolute difference maker on that defensive line. And with him kind of in there, with him playing, it's going to be a huge difference for that Cal defense. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. The front seven – is as strong as I think we've seen in a long, long time. I mean, the depth on the defensive line was uh, was really obvious watching spring ball. Um, it goes six, seven, eight players deep. And in fact, I think you're going to see the uh, Peter Sermon and Justin discuss some formations where they've actually got four defensive linemen on the field. I mean, they, they love their traditional 3-4. Uh, uh, but, you know, I think when you've got as much talent as they've got there and guys that can play both inside and outside – there, there's more flexibility in what they can do with personnel. Um, and, and we saw some of that in the spring game too. Like we saw, we saw some of that four-man front. Yeah, we did. I, I, look, I think when you, when you think about guys that can stop the run, guys that can rush, pass rush from the interior, and linebackers who have played a lot know how to find the ball carrier and can run sideline to sideline, this is a great group. I think if there's one question mark coming out of spring is – the pass rush. Do we have the dynamic edge guy that the other team has to account for that, you know, has a chance to get to the quarterback losing cam good, who, you know, was a good pass rusher and probably not an elite one um, leaves a little bit of a hole there. And so that's probably one of the things you're going to see the staff focus on as they head into fall camp. And that's a huge piece of why I said Brett Johnson is such a big returning guy, because if you have that big three technique, that you that's going to win the one-on-one -on -one matchups, right? That's what coaches are looking for all the time. The, the guy who can win the one-on-one -on -one matchups. So if you have a Brett Johnson who can be a great run stopper, but can win one-on-one -on -one matchups, now you got to put an extra guy on him. Once you commit an extra guy, now somebody else is going to get a one-on-one -on -one matchup. And if you can get that second guy to win those as well, now you're in business because two guys 
wreaking havoc on that defensive line is huge. And we just, we didn't have the one guy who was the matchup problem to begin with. Uh, we haven't for the last couple of years and, and having Brett back, I think becomes that guy. Now you find the second pass rusher and you become, you become a real problem for offenses to handle in terms of pass protection. Yeah, I agree. And, and you throw some of the um, newer additions into the mix too. Um, Ethan Saunders is a guy that didn't play much earlier because of injuries and he's a young player, but man, has he been dynamic. He's been in the backfield a lot this spring. He's going to provide some good rush and some really aggressive play in front. Um, Xavier Carlton is added to the mix, a former four-star recruit that Cal just missed out on to Utah, who was in the transfer portal. And he's playing both outside linebacker and defensive end. He's been really dynamic and in, in the rush too. Um, then one guy that's really come along quite a bit was former defensive end, Miles Williams. Um, he seems to be a real terror off the edge. And I think he's just going to continue to get better and better with more reps. Then you're going to see another addition this summer and Henry Ika Hihifo bounce back from Nevada, who is supposed to be in the, the Marquez Bimage mold that um, is, is, really strong providing pressure off the edge, but maybe even a little bit better in the run game. So there, there's some nice boosts. This, this front seven has been experiencing this spring and will continue to experience this fall. That should be really exciting too. Yeah. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the linebackers early in the season last year, uh, linebacking play was pretty spotty. Sac state kind of tore apart our linebackers as they were running the over at all the time. And uh, so a bunch of young linebackers without a lot of experience trying to find themselves in space. And it, it got more solid towards the end of the season. But now we add Sermon to that linebacking core, Washington's leading tackler last year. We have those younger guys like Rachina and Yosefa and Pastor who have all kind of grown up in that, in that inside linebacker in this scheme. I think our linebacking crew is really, really good coming out of spring. Yeah, and it's deep as well. You know, the the one that everybody's excited about is uh, the returning fresh, true freshman last year, Femi Oladejo. Yeah. And, you know, Femi is this long-armed, very quick, fluid athlete who really impressed the coaches. And I think the light went on for him the last half of the, of the fall season in terms of his in instincts and reading things. Um, and he had a great spring. He, he and Sermon sat out the last couple of practices and didn't play in the spring game. And I think it was totally precautionary because the two of them have kind of elevated themselves as guys that could be stars. And then, you know, to the point of the list of names you gave, that's now depth. When Iosifa, who's probably started almost 15 to 20 games in his Cal career as a backup, um, you know you're in good shape. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Nola Dejo, I mean, fantastic football player. He, uh, not just a great football player. I, I got a chance to talk to him on the sideline during a spring game. He has such energy about him. And is such a team guy that he brings kind of a little bit of that glue that binds a team together. And so he has that energy to him. He can be a leader out there. Sermon's obviously going to be a leader out there just based on the fact that, A, he was a stud at Washington, but B, he's a coach's kid. And those guys are always leaders up front. So that, that adds a ton of depth at that position. Jim, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I really like Oladejo. He's a he's a man amongst boys, even as a young player. And uh, he's a guy that the coaches say, you know what, dial it back. You're 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 on us all the time about going over film and questions and everything. Be a student too, live your life, because he is just eating and breathing Cal football. Uh, so super impressive. And then 
so the inside is super stacked, three deep at, at both inside positions. Outside is where there's been more question and they've been developing some, some good progress there, I think, between Carlton playing a, a lot of outside linebacker, which I wasn't expecting, and he's done it really well. You think of a guy who's 6'6", it might have a little bit of trouble dropping back into coverage, but he's been great at that. Um, and you really, I, I talked a little bit about Miles Williams, how he's come on at outside linebacker too. That's been exciting. Obviously, Croto is a veteran that, that's returning there, and, and Ari Patu is another veteran coming back. I talked about Henry Ikehifo being added to the mix in the spring. So I think that position is being shored up fairly nicely on the outside too. So the linebacking group could could definitely be a strength. I, I still would like to see one of those inside guys moved outside because, man, how, how do you play these six guys that could easily start? I mean, I don't I don't know how you can you can rotate effectively and make full use of them. So I'd, I'd love to see one of those outside guys, one of those guys play outside too, just to spread the wealth a little bit. Well, sometimes, you know, coaches will kind of go through the, the whole spring thing with these guys in their natural positions to at the end of the season or at the end of the spring say, you know, there's not a lot of room here. You didn't necessarily win that out. What, what, what do you think about playing outside? You know, what do you think about playing strong side or weak side? And so you may still see that going into camp with those guys, uh, you know, some really good athletes at that position and really good football players. Secondary, um, when we look at it, some names coming back. Lamaja Hearns really came on last year. Uh, you've got Ray Woody, who kind of stepped up a little bit. You've got um, a bunch of guys who got playing time, got experience last year, and have kind of grown at that position. Jim, what was your take on the secondary coming out of spring? I saw how good Hearns was last season, but, man, he's taken it to a new level this spring. He is so confident. He's like glue on these, these receivers. If they're catching a ball on him, it's not because he's out of coverage. He's right there. Uh, that's been super impressive. I, I think that Colin Gamble being out at the other starting corner position was kind of a mixed blessing because a lot of guys got a lot more work with the ones than they would have been able to see otherwise. Isaiah Young took a really nice step forward this spring. That was really encouraging to see. And out of nowhere, Tyson McWilliams came on about halfway through spring ball and put together a lot of really nice practices too. And he's a guy that they had a lot of hope for because they're always looking for these longer athletic corners. And he's six one with long arms. And um, he was coming off soldier shoulder surgery. He mentioned during his, his interview a couple of weeks in, and he's playing now healthy and trusting his body. So that's making a nice difference. And we also saw some good play from uh, a, a couple of the, the guys at nickel, particularly Dewan Butler, he, he can't kind of came from nowhere. It, it didn't seem like the light was on for him last fall, but he was playing really confidently. And Hunter Barth is a guy that flashed a lot when he came in as a early entry freshman last year, but he was injured in the fall, man, that guy, uh, he had the most interceptions of the spring and he lays the wood. If those receivers aren't prepared for a hit when they come his way, they're, they're prepared after they meet up with him. But it's been exciting to see some of that young depth being developed and miles williams of course um the other miles the safety miles they call him tmw instead of the bmw big miles williams texas miles williams he's looking every bit the the part of a starter too so when woodson comes back from his his injury he's going to have his hands full battling with woody and and with williams and some of the other guys that have flashed out there this spring and the coaches aren't scared to use a platoon of guys at those positions too they've shown that in the past as long as guys are being efficient they're going to get some playing time and there's always nickel and dime situations where you're getting guys in the game. 
but so important. And, you know, what, with what we talked about D line and linebackers up front, that's going to help those defensive backs out. Anytime you can get some pressure on a quarterback, move a quarterback, get them uncomfortable in the pocket, kind of keep them off balance. It always helps out the defensive secondary. Yeah. I think one of the big recruiting wins of the offseason was actually Daniel Scott returning. I mean, he's, he's now the glue, the leader he's been there. He's a bit of the carryover from the takers who are now all uh, off into the NFL. And uh, you know, he didn't play a lot this spring, but you know what you're getting with Daniel, you're getting a smart instinctual playmaker. Um, so I think the safety position feels like a strength. I think cornerback is an area that, that they'd love to add some more bodies and will be a priority in the transfer portal. Um, I think there was some, there were some flashes of some young guys. I mean, one of the, the guys I didn't have any thoughts or expectations against was Fatu Iosifa, who was a true freshman last year. And he's got a ways to go before he's going to break in, but you can see the athleticism, the want to, he's got a bright future. I think, I, I think uh, give him another season. He's going to be right up there with Isaiah Young and Colin Gamble, you know, fighting for the spot opposite uh, Lubaja Ernst. Yeah. And now that we've got like three defensive backs coaches on campus, so there should be enough guys there to coach them and get them right. So it's going to, I think, I think because of the strength up front, strength of linebackers, uh, and the intensive coaching they're going to get all the way to the head man, that our, our DBs are going to be at least good Pac-12 DBs, could be better based on pass rush. So now let's flip it over. We talked a little bit about the offense, just kind of touched briefly on it coming in. The huge one it, coming into spring ball, obviously Chase Garbage has gone after four years, is that quarterback position. You have a battle between Jack Plummer and Kai Milner. And so, Jim, you were there every single day. I want to get your take first. I'm going to wrap it up just with quarterback play stuff on the spring game, what I saw. But, Jim, tell me what you saw during spring ball to start. In the beginning, it was a really tight battle between Jack and Kai. They rotated first-team reps, so I think the staff got a good view of how both of them handle going against first-team D playing behind first-team line and first-team receivers versus second-team. I would have to say that the consistency of, of Plummer throughout spring ball has to put him in the lead. Very few interceptions, plays with a lot of confidence, hits the receivers at all levels. Um, from what I've heard, he came in and got the guy's respect as a leader right away in the off-field workouts. It's carried over onto the field. I am really impressed, though, with the progress that, that Kai has made it was really apparent in the fall that he wasn't ready. I mean, he seemed kind of over his head and in over his head and he hadn't come in as an early entry. So that's natural. I mean, it, it comes, you're drinking out of a fire hose when you're, you're coming into college, particularly playing with a pro playbook, but yeah, he's made really big strides. He, he looked a little rough in the, the, uh, the Springs showcase, you know, it was kind of a free for all with the line, the second team line right now, is not uh, is not particularly effective. So whoever was playing behind them, especially when it was full contact, it totally changed the dynamic out there. But when he was playing behind the first team line, he was pretty composed and made throws at all the levels. So I'm I'm really optimistic about what these guys can do. I just think that there's there's so many different types of elements of the offense they can run effectively versus what we've been able to see in the last few years. Greg, your thoughts on the QBs? Yeah, you know what jumped out to me the first time, uh, the very first practice was was with Plummer, his stature. He's every bit of six foot five. And, and every last bit of it. Like he is a tall cat. He is a tall guy. And the ball comes out of his hand different than we've seen. He's just got the ability to throw the deep outs 
and the longer throws with a little more velocity than we've seen since maybe Davis Webb or Jared Goff was here. I think with, with, with Kai, um, there's a fluidity to him in the pocket, the way he moves, uh, the way the ball comes out of his hand. He throws a very catchable ball, got good arm strength as well. I think they're both stronger than what we saw with Chase, but, but a catchable ball, really good touch, and he can put it into tight windows with some confidence. I think as spring ball went on, Plummer kind of took a lead, and you saw that in the spring game. And In fact, the staff probably showed us more than anything they'll say by using Jack primarily behind the number one line against the number two defense where Kai was inverted in that regard. Um, and I think that that came down from just watching Jack's poise when they started to throw blitz packages at him his ability to shuffle his feet as he went through his progressions and just the consistency. Kai had some great practices. He also had a couple that weren't so great. Jack was good almost every day he was out there. And a huge part of that, that, you know, doesn't show up in the stat sheet is the fact that Jack was a big 10 starting quarterback at Purdue. Like he started games for Purdue and he played there and, and he has spring ball under his belt and he has all of these experiences as a more mature quarterback. And so that makes a huge difference when you come in and you know that you're battling for your position, but Kai is like, he's battling for this position. Like he wants to win this thing. And Jack's been through the process before. And so it's easier for him to kind of sit there and, and take it all in and operate in the offense, which is what you need to do as a quarterback. Every play is not going to make or break you. It's operating the system for over the long term. And so I think Jack did a nice job of that based on his experience, understanding what it's all about. Uh, and operating within the system. Kai, so athletic. Like, Kai is the most likable human being you'll ever meet in your entire life. You meet him the first time, and you feel like you guys are besties from the old school. Just a great, great uh, young quarterback, and I think he's going to be very, very good. Another year of seasoning, just from my perspective, watching film, watching him on the field, letting him get a piece of this offense. You know, when, when Aaron Rodgers got drafted late in the first round, should have been, you know, obviously now, in retrospect, should have been a first number one overall pick, right? But when he got drafted late, I told him, I said, look, this is probably the best thing that ever happened to you because you get to sit, watch, learn, and mature before you have to step on the field. And same goes true for a young quarterback in an NFL system, to Jim's point, that if you have time to learn it, to rep it, to study it, to understand it, to get the nuance of it, you're going to be way better the first time you step on the field. Older quarterbacks, because they've played in schemes that, maybe similar, have the same concepts, understand the reads. They just kind of step into things and they can make it happen. And I think Plummer had the definite advantage in that. And it showed up in the spring game when there was most of the nerves. You know, you get in there in the spring game and it's nerves. I'm going to win the spot. And this is the time to show. Kai looked a little nervous and he had, he didn't get through his reads as cleanly as Plummer did. And so I thought that was, that was the difference maker. You could see that edge of experience between the two right there. Yep. Okay. Look, you know, I think I think managing expectations a little bit, Mike, I think the quarterback room has improved markedly from what we've seen the last few years. I'm not sure that either Jack or Kai is the next coming of Jared Goff or, or Aaron Rodgers, but I do think we're going to see improved quarterback play that's going to make a fundamental difference to how this team performs overall in 2022. Yeah, I agree. I, and you just have to be efficient. If you're just efficient back there as a quarterback, it opens up stuff for the running game, which is then going to open up stuff for the play action pass, which, you know, it just – it just matriculates all the way up within the offense to a very 
high performing, very efficient offense if you're just efficient as a quarterback. And so that's really important. Running backs. Um, Greg, tell me your take on running backs. To me, and I'll, I'll just throw this out there. We've got like six of the same exact dude. <laughs> like we got a bunch of the same guy. They're all really good. And then a couple guys that stand out for different skill sets. Yeah, look, I, I thought, um, you know, it was fun to be there early in spring practice and to see some of the guys out there when they weren't wearing pads. And Damian Moore had redone his body. He looked like he was an ad for Gold's Gym, you know, before and after. I mean, he, he's lost some of that baby fat. Yeah, you know, he's got the makings of an early, uh, uh, maybe not a six pack, but a four pack there. And just, you just saw the difference in, in his fluidity, a little bit in his burst. He's never going to be the game breaker, but the guy runs with great balance, patience. He's got good vision. He's clearly the dependable first and second down back for this team. I think what was interesting was there was a lot of expectation around Jaden Knott. He has game breaking speed. He's one of those guys that can make a cut at full speed. You get him in open space watch out. Um, and he was every bit as dynamic as we thought he was going to be. However, the guy that really popped for me was DeCarlos Brooks. He's, he's quicker than you think. He's decisive. He's a one cut and go guy and he can break off big chunks of run. He may not have the, the top gear that, that Jaden does, but he's awfully quick and accelerates. Well, I think those three guys are going to go into the fall as the three backs to watch. Um, I think Ott, you know, he was a little tentative, I think he probably wasn't used to running behind an offensive line that was struggling as much as ours did sometimes this spring and maybe got a little overly patient. Um, but I think that's going to come with time and uh, he's going to be a factor in the fall. I absolutely agree. And, and, and your point on Damian Moore, very well taken. The only, the only issue is he's got to hold on to the football, right? Billy, that was Billy's thing. When, when you put the ball on the ground, it's hard to get playing time. And there's enough good backs there that if you put the ball on the ground, your playing time is going to suffer big time. Uh, I think Jaden Ott is a great open field guy. Like you said, you get him on the swing route, you get him in the flat, you put him in the route, not just out of the backfield. And now he becomes something special, kind of a, you know, a, a uh, James Brooks or a, a Gary Anderson type. If we throw back to the old NFL guys that were just that move back out of the backfield. And I think Jaden Ott can be pretty special in that regard. Jim, your thoughts. Yeah, I agree. And there was a play where they flexed him out wide and he got matched up against a linebacker and and uh, and Kai's eyes got really big and a beautiful fade in the corner of the end zone for just a money touchdown, 30 yards. It was it was a thing of beauty. So, yeah, he's a big weapon. His speed can make a, a, a big difference out there too, and separate him a little bit from the other guys with regard to um, Moore's hands. One thing that I didn't really know is he was playing injured last year. So injured and not so much in shape is not a great combo as, as good a year he had besides the fumbles. With him being back in shape and him being healthy, uh, I didn't see him fumble all spring either. I, I think he's set for a really good year. Chris Street's a guy that we haven't talked about and a lot of people don't just because there's a lot of depth. But in a lot of years, he's a guy that could be you know, in the one-two rotation uh, so he's really solid and dependable. He doesn't have as much speed or wiggle as the other guys, but he's probably the strongest of, of that group. And then the last guy you want to talk about is uh, Ashton Stredick. He's, he's a walk-on, but he gets a lot of reps for a walk-on in a talented backfield because he's super fast. He's, he's elusive. He's got great instincts out there, and you can use him just as effectively in the passing game as in the running game. So 
man, super deep there. And they can easily keep those guys fresh and not have a drop off when you're, you're playing the second, third, fourth, or even fifth team guy. Yeah. And Stratic is really shaky too. He's like video game shaky, right? He's, uh, you know, I don't play the Madden, but he's like the B button guy, right? Boom, sticks his foot in the ground and he's gone and he can put a move on somebody. So I like to see that as well. Um, receivers, you, you hit on it when we were starting this thing off, Jim, talk to me about the receiving core, uh, what you saw out of them. There's some pretty special athletes and there's a lot of tools in that, in that receiver room. Well, I, I can't understate how excited I am about this receiving core and, uh, they really go five deep with super talent and then a, a few more below that with really capable talent too. But Jay Michael Sturdivant was a guy that came in with a lot of accolades. He was af- offered by everybody and all the big boys. And he came in in the fall and had some trouble with his hands. And then he, he I think, broke his hand or his wrist and was in a, a cast a lot of the year. And so he was learning how to catch with one hand there was a concern coming into spring that he would be a reliable receiver, that his hands would be reliable and he's dropped virtually nothing. And his catch radius is is really big. So that's exciting. And he's a guy that can go up and get anything. And he's got 10, three, 700 speed, which you can't teach. And he, it's football speed too, which has been great. Uh, Jeremiah Hunter has taken a, a big step forward. He's a guy that everybody was very excited about when he came in and he's shown flashes he was injured his freshman year, and I think it set him back a little bit. He admitted his confidence wasn't as high last year as it could have been. Man, is he bursting with confidence right now. He's, he's got to be the leader in that receiver room. Another guy that has been a major revelation is Maven Anderson in the slot. <laughs> so fast. He's, he's every bit as fast on the field as Sturdivant, which is super impressive, and he catches everything. Uh, the quarterbacks say, Plummer and Kai say, he's, he's – one of the smartest guys on, on the offense when they, they play their, their, uh, their games where uh, you answer questions online. He's almost always the first guy. He knows everything about the offense and, and he plays the same way on the field too. And then you, you, you look at Mason Starling brought in as a, a six, four, six, five receiver on the outside from JC uh, Tommy Christakos six, four catches Everything in this catch radius, really hard to defend and not just the top shelf guy, but a guy that they've used really effectively on those 15 yard outs and 15 yard ins and so many different versatile routes. He catches everything. So, I mean, how, how do you stop this receiving core if you've got quarterbacks that can get them the ball? Well, the only way is the pass rush. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how you shut it down. Uh, I, I think that receiving core, you, you hit most of it, pretty impressive uh, didn't talk about Mason Magnum, right? Cause he was out running track. He's running more events than their, than their big guys, uh, in track and field for Cal as well. Super fast coming back. And so a ton of speed in that Cal receiving room. And when's the last time we were able to say that about a Cal receiving group, that just a ton of speed kind of across the board, really good players, really fast players. Uh, and so if you have that, they can't key in on one dude. They can't necessarily pressure you as much because, if you get that one-on-one matchup, you win, it takes it to the house. And so having a great receiving core that can run away from people is a huge difference maker on that offense. Real quick, tight ends. I think tight ends, you know, you lose some guys, you lose transfer portal, you lose graduation, but I think we're still pretty good at that tight end position. Young players who are going to be very good for us. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I'll, I'll incorporate the tight ends into this comment about the receiving core as a whole. Justin Wilcox has a well-earned reputation of being a very flatline coach speak, manage expectations when he's out talking to the press. I will tell you the one thing that gets his pulse going is talking about the passing game. Yeah, he's excited about the, the quarterback room, but you can hear this, uh, you know, the bubbling excitement out of him when he talks about the, the wide receivers and the tight ends. Um, there, there's a core talent. He'll tell you quickly, they got to prove it on the field, but in the practice field right now, they've taken a, a massive leap forward in terms of the big play potential. And if you look at tight ends, particularly Kaliki Latu, he hurt himself pretty early in the spring. He, he actually played the last two thirds with a giant club on his arm and he was still running by guys and still catching balls with one hand. Um, he's a guy they're going to flex out a lot. Um, he, he's got the big catch radius, the flexibility, the body control to go up and be a quarterback's best friend on a not so perfectly thrown ball. Meanwhile, Jermaine Terry, who came in as a big, highly touted recruit, you know, I think for him last year, both the strength and conditioning being ready in his body and being at the right weight, but also the mental side of the game learning the complexities, because as you know, Bill Musgrave uses his tight ends in a lot of different ways, lines them up all over the field, a lot of a big route tree. I think that was tough for Jermaine. And he is one of those kids that just loves football. And so he soaked it up. He's killed it in the weight room. He came out way fitter. And he is this, the, the bully in the, in the playground right now. He looks great. Yeah. He's not maybe quite as fleet of foot as, as Kaliki is, nor maybe quite as, as agile, but when he catches the ball with his feet and his power, nobody wanted to be in front of him in spring practice. Nobody. Yeah, no doubt. And, and to your point about Bill Musgrave's offense, you get, you know, three tight ends in a game. You've got a flex tight end. You've got a sniffer. You're covered up. Like there's all kinds of things. You're moving. You're shifting. There's a bunch of stuff for tight ends to learn, which you don't necessarily do in a lot of college offenses. A lot of college offenses, they'll just line you up, maybe flex you out, maybe put you in an offset. Uh, so that you can move, but there, there is so much nuance to which tight end are you one, two or three in that tight end room. And so there is a ton to learn at that position. Jim, your thoughts on the tight end. Yeah, I was really impressed with that group and, and Terry, uh, people didn't realize he was coming back from a serious medical issue last year. Um, he, he wasn't just out of shape. He, he wasn't able to be in shape because of that. He is, he is like a night and day different player out there just moving so smoothly and, his, his hands have been reliable. And like Greg said, people do not want a piece of him. Players visibly recoil when they're hit by him. And he loves the contact. The staff says he searches out contact. And, avoid it. and then if you look at the, um, the depth in the room there, Nick Alfton is probably the third guy. And he's, he's a bruiser in that bunch too. He, he's a big body that they'll play in line. And uh, he was a very good club volleyball player, one of the best in the state in high school. So he brings an athleticism to the position for a big guy too. So he can catch passes. Uh, and then Isaiah, uh, Elijah Maharo came on nicely later in spring too, both with his pass catching and his blocking. So he, he's effectively uh, a, a good player in both those positions, which is nice because having a little bit more depth in the room helps, especially if there's any injuries there. And I know that Bill likes to play multiple tight ends in the, in the game, it's sometimes two to three sometimes. So having that fourth guy come on and be a reliable asset makes a big difference too. And I, I think when you've got a dynamic group of receivers and you've got a tight end group that can provide mismatches, it, it starts to present 
a nightmare for the defense to try and figure out how to stop the offense. And to your point about how you stop a dynamic passing offense, pass rush, the great thing is that these quarterbacks have been getting the ball out quickly and decisively. So, you know, I mean, if you make a quick read and make a quick pass, how are they going to have time to get to the quarterback if, if the ball's out of his hands really quickly? So it's, it's been fun to watch. Get it to the first open guy and save yourself, right? As a quarterback, it's not all on you. It's just you working your progression, getting through it. First open guy gets the ball. Let's move it downfield and keep working that progression until the first open guy is the big shot over the top. And so Billy has a great knack for dialing up big shots. Um, and so as long as you work the system and, and play the efficient passing game, you're going to be fine. And, and so it brings us all back down to, as a quarterback, what I think is the most important position on the field, and that's offensive line. Uh, for the run game, for the pass game, for everything, games are won and lost in the trenches. And so I will start with you, Jim, on the offensive line. You just talked about getting the ball out quickly. Okay, but let's talk about the running game. Let's talk about real pass protection when they need Obviously, coming into spring, the offensive line was thin, particularly with Brian Driscoll, who will start at either center or guard being out the whole spring. What that did is it forced them to play a couple of guys that uh, most thought would be backups coming into this year, Bastion Swinney and Everett Johnson at the two guard positions. And they had the advantage of playing together virtually the whole spring. It's pretty unusual to, to see an offensive line that plays together a whole spring or fall because injuries keep guys off the field pretty frequently. I think the only time that we've seen all spring was, was Bastion Swinney missing a couple of practices and he was, he's back again for the last two starting. So those guys got a chance to work together really well. Driscoll started taking snaps in the last week with non-contact situations and he wasn't in braces on, on either knee. So that was, that was definitely helpful. Uh, Braden Rome is a new starter at the, uh, the right tackle spot and, he played injured last year. He tore, he said, every ligament in his ankle last spring. So obviously he's not going to be 100% by the fall. He had come on late in the season and had a really good game against Stanford, but uh, he's been pretty reliable. He's been a little on the light side. Um, he's, he said he played at 285 this spring. He got over a pretty bad intestinal bug after he got back from his rehab. So he had a hard time keeping his weight on. He thinks he'll be at 295 by the fall. Um, hopefully it'll be good weight. Uh, and then at the, the left tackle spot, the anchor of that line, uh, Ben Coleman has been money. He's a bully out there. He loves the contact. He's talking smack with some of those DBs that like to talk smack on the other side of the ball. And he's been physically dominant. I, you know, he didn't have an ideal body going into the tackle position, particularly left tackle where you need to be nimble, but he is another guy that's had some body recomposition where he's got less baby fat. He's, he's, he's leaner and he's moving really well. So while not ideal for the position, uh, I think he's going to anchor that one down really well for the, the line. So that is encouraging. We're going to see that being said, a, a much different line this fall. And I'll let Greg get into that a little bit. Some of the potential changes that we'll, we'll be seeing there to add depth and maybe change the starting unit too. Yeah, I mean, look, Cal fans are notoriously good worry words. If you want something to be anxious about with the Cal football program heading into the fall, it's the offensive line. Um, they struggled at, at times. In fact, a lot of the time running the ball. And, and I think everybody saw that during the, the spring game um, on television. There just weren't the consistent holes we saw last spring. And obviously it was a strong running game in the fall. Um, that's a concern. I think the depth is an issue. 
Um, the line is anchored by, by Matthew Sindrick and then Ben Coleman. They're both outstanding linemen. They may have futures on Sundays. Ben, for sure. I think he'll probably play interior in the NFL. And as, as Jim mentioned, he did a great job this spring moving outside. He's just He's got the feet, the athleticism, and kind of the mentality to make it work at left tackle. We'll have to see when he goes against the really quick edge rushers that Cal doesn't have a ton of on its defense, but we saw from the Washington States and the UCLA's last year. But I think the real, the real position of concern is right tackle. Braden Rome's a solid player. I think it's going to get stronger, as Jim mentioned, but that is, is not going to be a position where uh, the coaching staff and the quarterbacks are going to feel comfortable. And it could be as big of a delta or beta in terms of the outcome we see on the field this year as any position on the field. We get solid right tackle play to protect that passer. Um, it may be several wins difference in the win column when we look back on the year. So to that end, Cal's been very active in the transfer portal. You know, right now we believe they have three open scholarships. Normal attrition between this time of year and, and, and the fall camp is they may add one or more. And I think you're going to see them prioritize two offensive linemen. At least one they believe can be, has the potential to be a starter at, at the right tackle position. Um, and I think that's going to be a real focal point. I also think while we're talking transfer portal, cornerback and an edge rusher will also be on the wish list of players that the staff will be looking for between now and the time fall camp starts. Well, so, so it's a nice laundry list, right? You've got, you got a couple of scholarships left over, and that's kind of the new – nuance of college football now in that you may you may have reserved one because you want to give it to a guy who's been loyal to the program in the past going into the fall something may happen nowadays you've got to reserve these scholarships because you have transfer portal stuff where you can get a guy the deadline for guys to play last fall just passed this last week and so there's gonna be some new names on there that either decided to after spring ball to get in uh and so you know bears may have to shop in terms of offensive line, uh, your point about Cal fans being worry warts is the absolute truth. And it makes me, you know, this is the, this is the one piece to me as a quarterback that concerns me. These guys have to play well because you can have the greatest passing game. You can have the greatest receivers. You can have excellent running backs. Without an offensive line, none of it makes a bit of difference. Because if the defensive line gets home, you know, the biggest trick in football, they used to say, the trick to winning games is to get their guy and protect your guy. If you can do that, you're going to win a lot more football games than you lose. And so the, they have to be able to protect quarterbacks for Cal this year. And as we stand right now, you know, I, I like Sindrick a lot as a player. I think Coleman is going to be a good player um, at that tackle position, but the jury's out because he's a guard by nature to your point. Um, and so we have to see him against edge rushers, guys like Kayvon Thibodeau in the Pac-12, who can bring it, absolutely bring it. I, I, you know, that game against Oregon last year, those two snaps against Will Craig, where Thibodeau just turned it on and, and became a completely different player, that's the guy you got to be able to stop in the Pac-12. And so if you can't do that, your quarterback's going to be in trouble. And so the one spot that, that Cal has to get better, be it through the weight room, be it through coaching, be it through the transfer portal, whatever it is, is that offensive line position. You can call around it a little bit, but you can't call around it all the time. And if you don't have those dudes, you're just going to be in trouble. So anyway, that's a full wrap. Kind of the whole offense, defense, looking at the Bears. Uh, you guys are awesome. As always, your detail is phenomenal. And so I love it. 
I will be doing some stuff coming up in terms of film review, talking about individual position groups. I'm going to bring on some of my former teammates, some other former Bears, and we've worked on this podcast all the way up to the season. As we get closer to the season, we'll be looking at reviews. We'll be looking at kind of schemes, talking to coaches. So you're going to get a lot of information here on the Ultimate Insider for Bear Insider. But Greg, awesome having you here today. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Looking forward to all the, the content you're going to be producing here in the next uh, a few months. Absolutely. And Jim, as always, your knowledge is second to none. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. and really excited about this upcoming season. Yeah. And I appreciate all of you at home being here with us. Again, I am Mike Pulaski for the Ultimate Insider, bearinsider.com. We are your source for Cal information. So appreciate you. As always, go Bears. And I'll see you again soon.